0: Hi, it's Nick Brown, Editor-in-Chief for Archives of Disease in Childhood. Welcome to the Julya Atoms. Let's kick off with some interesting drug and therapeutics. So I've angled this as over-the-counter, under-the-radar, and the, and the premise is just that despite the lack of anything resembling concrete evidence of benefits, the over-the-counter market for self-limiting symptoms, most notably cough and diarrhoea, continues to flourish. Does this matter? Well, yeah, emphatically it does. Firstly, because the treatment's directed purely at symptoms rather than underlying cause, suppressing the symptoms might actually be deleterious. For example, suppressing a cough reduces ileal peristalsis as most of these are codeine-based. So the superficial reassurance doesn't belie what's under the surface. Additionally uh, prolonging the resolution of a diarrheal illness has potential for bacterial overgrowth and further complications downstream. The final issue is that simply masking symptoms of what are largely benign self-limiting illnesses might delay the investigation of those for whom a search for a real underlying cause is warranted. Then there's a potential for harm in the form of addiction, the elephant in the room, or one of many in this case, particularly as many are opioids, and prolonging symptoms even if appearing to attenuate them. So this is where Paul Turner's and John Warner's very insightful commentary hits hard. They examined the arguments for the risk of anaphylaxis between previous opioid drug exposure and neuromuscular blocking uh, anaesthetics. So it's been known for some time that children who uh, have had cough medicine in the form of opioids are more likely to react to rocuronium, at anaesthetic, so neuromuscular blocking drugs. There's some quite... Powerful uh, observational literature on this, but then of course that's never conclusive. But the odds ratios are at least in the territory of, well, I certainly want to think a bit harder about this. And it's not only neuromuscular blocking drugs, an association has also been associated between full codeine intake in the form of cough medicines and cephalosine prophylaxis, which has been noted in Australia. So the pathways. Not completely been delineated immunologically, but the suspicion at a notch so high that the European Medicines Agency has now, like the US FDA and WHO before, recommended withdrawal of coding containing preparations. It's always good to have alternative tricks up your sleeve for want of better expression. Many of us are now habituated to the rapid genetic confirmation of cystic fibrosis after successive high blood spot immunoreactive trypsinogen results, delta F508, and younger siblings now rolling off the tongue like old acquaintances. This, though, is very much the high-income country approach, and even here, the gold standard, the phenotypic marker, remains the sweat chloride. In low- and middle-income countries. Life expectancy for children with CF is in the 20s and in North America and Europe at present, and this is, of course, continuing to increase in the 40-plus age group. Delay in diagnosis likely to be an explanatory factor. Add to this the dearth of personnel and lab facilities to undertake the time-consuming chloride evaluation test and there's no real surprise that the differences simply expand. Renata Bedron and colleagues in Belo Horizonte, Brazil, validate the use of the much easier to measure swept conductivity, a technique not just faster, but cheaper against the chloride standard, the tests taken concurrently in children with two positive IRT tests. The positive and negative predictive values were both extremely high, suggesting this is almost as good a tool as the chloride itself, and one certainly transposable to remote and rural settings with the implication, one hopes at least, of earlier intervention. How does one know that an intervention is working? Blood measures, functional assessment, anthropometry, or the rather underrated, simply asking about well-being. Until now, resting energy expenditure has been largely used as a as a research adjunct. Uh, the tools, a composite of indirect calorimetry and dual energy X ray absorption, both time consuming. Think though of the potential implications of serial measurements of baseline energy expenditure as a marker of response to treatment in for example endocrine or inflammatory disorders. Laura Watson, Tim Cole and colleagues at the NIHR research facility in Cambridge described the derivation of centiles for resting energy expenditure adjusted for lean mass versus age using previously tested LMS methodology in a group of children and adults and illustrate this with a case example. These charts One hopes will open doors previously the sole premise of biomedical science hypothesis generation work and not for general release. Many moons ago, I had the privilege of being one of Victor Dubovitz's SHOs at the Hammersmith's Neuromuscular Unit, then as now a quaternary referral point for children diagnosed with undiagnosed hypotonia whichever category a child fitted before assessment, the diagnosis and ultimately prognosis was rarely a positive one. Um, At that stage, non-invasive ventilation was beginning to offer a previously unavailable avenue, at least in some of the uh, muscular dystrophy patients. And what did I take from that time? The importance of checking maternal handshake, of course, the tongue for fasciculation, typical of anterior horn disease, a Gower's sign, and the presence, or not, of tendon reflexes. Fast forward a generation, literally, a frenzy of molecular research and the options for spinal muscular atrophy now have a luster, unthinkable, even a decade ago. There are now three licensed treatments, Nusinersen, Onamesna and Ristiplam, all based on augmenting the missing SMN1 gene, or enhancing the activity of its genetic neighbour, SMN2. Vasantagaud and colleagues at the Evelina Hospital describe the gestation and early infancy of these breakthrough treatments in a detailed, absorbing review. That's all for now. I hope you have a great summer. Thanks for listening. Much more, of course, than the rest of the journal, adc.bmj.com. was spoiled for choice this month and you can check out the podcast on any of the platforms you usually use apple spotify amongst others bye for now see you next month